This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is Psalm 43. Give you a second to get there. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wisdom that instructs us, if we lack wisdom, We should ask you and that you will give generously and without reproach. We pray as the teaching ministries are set to resume in the fall, that that you would guide and direct those in leadership to prepare well, and that you would work in the hearts of those who would participate, that many would see the gospel more clearly, and that you would grow others in their faith. We remember the needs of those in our fellowship those who are sick are not able to be with us or travel to church. Lord, would you strengthen them to endure these trials and continue toward the goal of your calling in their lives. We give thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's already the last Sunday in August. Can you believe it? Uh, We're going to start in September next Sunday, and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to leave the Psalms, at least uh, for a while, and uh, we're going to jump back into the gospel according to Matthew, and so uh, you don't want to miss that as we pick up where we left off from last time, but don't worry, if, if uh, you weren't here and you, you don't know where we left off, you'll be able to jump right in just fine. Okay, uh, let's... Let's, let's look at this psalm this morning. It's, it's a short one, only five verses. Doesn't mean it's going to be a short sermon. But just look at my title there, When Reality is Far from Hope. Um, maybe you were hoping for something short. But do you know what I mean by that title? It's, it's when you want... What you want to happen or change in your life doesn't match where you currently are. And, and the road to get there seems long and maybe even impossible. Perhaps your hope has to do with your marriage that doesn't seem so healthy. Maybe it's a far cry from that picture of Christ and the church. Or maybe you're single and you want to get married, 
but there are absolutely no prospects on the horizon. Possibly you're dealing with an illness or condition that has stolen away some things that you used to love doing, a way of life that you had, or just making life in the future uncertain. Things have changed dramatically. Perhaps it's a a struggle with a habitual sin that you just can't seem to put to death, no matter how many times you try to kill it. When when reality is, is far from hope, we tend to lose hope, becoming despondent. And, and that's just, that just means feeling low for a time. Or even depressed, which is a deeper and longer lasting lowness. We deal with varying levels of this. So, so this psalm is for every single one of us. Actually, the, the previous psalm, 42, is helpful here too. In, in fact, they're, they're closely linked in that they share the same refrain, verse, verse 11 in Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. I pray this verse daily because because I can get despondent or even depressed, and and, and I need this reminder. I I believe what it is teaching is something that many Christians are missing in their walk with the Lord. And we'll get to that. But this whole psalm helps us to get what we really want, even if we don't know what we really want. It helps us to get to God. Because he is what we really need, always, but especially during times of hopelessness, which create that despondency or depression in us. So here's my outline. It's a point for every verse. Plead your case. Acknowledge your desert. Ask God to act. Remember your God. And talk to yourself. So let's meditate on this psalm together. Plead your case, the first verse. This this verse helps us to see the issue in the psalmist's life. Look at it with me. Verse 1, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. The psalmist calls for vindication or justice. Here, the call for justice is against the ungodly who operate with deceit because, well, everything is just to them if they don't get caught. That's how the ungodly operate. They're fine with unfounded accusations against us. This, this is where the classic uh, movie plot um, of being framed comes from. Right? Someone is accused of a crime they didn't commit, and the rest of the movie is that person trying to vindicate themselves. 
and we love to cheer that character on. This is the, this is the world we live in. We, we, can, we can either go with the flow and fight fire with fire, or we can choose to live in the light as he is in the light. The psalmist will not use deceit to battle deceit. Instead, he pleads his case to God. And that should be our go-to as well. Now, sometimes we are the ones being accused, not because of the deceit of other people, but because our actions or even our motivations have been perceived wrongly. We want to be vindicated, but it feels impossible. I I remember an episode of a a sitcom where the character tries to, to put a tip in the tip jar at an Italian takeout, and and the worker does not see him. As soon as he does it, the worker turns his back. Second time, he tries to make it more obvious, and again, the, the worker gets distracted, looks away, and in goes the money into the tip jar, and, and he doesn't get any credit for the tip. This time, however, because his back is turned, he tries to take the tip out of the jar so he can put it back in again, but gets caught and is accused of, of stealing his tips. And he tries to explain, but the worker in fury bans him from his shop and chases him out. That's comical, but there are many real-life situations that are not so funny, and they can ruin or change relationships. Maybe you're familiar with this. And then they stay in our head, and they cause us grief. These are the types of things that make us despondent or even depressed because they seem hopeless, because there's nothing that we can do to fix it. And that's why we like those movies of frame people vindicating themselves, because we all want that. Let's look at the next point. Acknowledge your desert. What is your desert? What do I mean by that? Well, your desert is the space between your reality and your hope. So if hope is up here and reality is down here, here's the desert in between. So if your reality is far from your hope, then your desert is vast. And the larger your desert, the more prone you are to just hopelessness, giving up. Major Harold Kushner was a prisoner of the Viet Cong for more than than five years. Kushner describes one of his fellow American prisoners, who was a tough 24-year-old Marine who had, who had uh, made a deal with their captors. The Marine agreed to cooperate with the enemy. In return, the commander of the prison camp promised that he would let him go. The young Marine did whatever was asked of him. He became a model prisoner, and he even became the leader of the camp's thought reform group. But before long, it became clear to him that this camp commander had lied to him 
and that the Viet Cong had no intention of actually releasing him. He, he had some great hopes, and that spurred him on, but this is how Major Kushner describes what happened next to this Marine. He says, when the full realization of this took hold, he became a zombie. He refused to do any of the work, and he rejected all offers of food and encouragement. He simply lay in his cot, sucking his thumb. In a matter of weeks, he was dead. If reality becomes so far from hope that hope just seems to vanish over the horizon, you won't make it. Without hope, you'll turn apathetic. Then you'll neglect what is needful for you and fall into despair and eventually completely give up. That's why it's so important to recognize when you're in a desert, when your reality is far from your hope. Because if you don't, you're just going to spiral downward and not understand why. Right? You're in the desert, and you're like, boy, I don't know why I'm sweating so much and why I'm so thirsty, because you're in a desert. You've got to realize that. Now let me show you this, the psalmist's desert in verse 2. Look at it with me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? What, what he knows... What the psalmist knows doesn't match with what he is feeling or experiencing right now. Right? He knows God is his refuge. What he feels is rejection and darkness. That word mourning, that's, that's, that's where we get that. That's, that has the meaning of darkness. There is the desert. His hope is God as his refuge, but his reality is rejection and depression. Now notice, he doesn't talk himself out of these feelings, and we've learned that from the Psalms, haven't we? He doesn't talk himself out of these feelings, but embraces them and brings them to God in the form of questions. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about in darkness, in mourning? See, many times as Christians, we try to ignore the deserts we are going through. We feel the barrenness, the heat, the thirst, but we refuse to acknowledge the desert. And I think we do this because we don't like those feelings that we have of, in this case, rejection and, and darkness because they, they look and they feel unspiritual, and, and we're just not supposed to have feelings like that. Who says? Who says? Not the psalmist. Definitely not the psalmist. We, we think that we must be doing something wrong in our Christian life if we're experiencing feelings like this. The most Christ-like thing you can do is to acknowledge those feelings to God and, and even to others. <gasps> yeah. Jesus himself models this for us. 
our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. He told his disciples, he told them that his soul was exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Being pretty transparent here. And then he prayed to his father, Father, remove this cup, this suffering from me. He recognized his desert, and we must too. Next, verse 3, ask God to act. Ask God to act. So when you realize you're in the desert, ask God to meet you there. This makes sense to us logically, but it doesn't seem to make sense when we're in the desert. That's because God seems far away or like he's rejected us when we're in the desert. It's during times like these that you have to keep praying and keep reading your Bible and keep coming to church. See, to stop doing those things, any of those things, is to, is to take one more step toward complete despair. When, if you wake up in the morning and you say, I don't you know, I, don't, I just don't, I don't feel like going to church today. That, that should be your clue to say, that I probably should then. <laughs> it's the same with reading your Bible or praying. Even if you don't get anything out of it, just, just do it. You know, I, I thought about Elijah, the great prophet of God. He, re- he received a death threat from Queen Jezebel, so he fled in fear. And he was so tired of being the only one who was living for God among his people. He was so depressed that he asked the Lord to take his life from him. Lord, just kill me. God awoke Elijah by an angel who had cooked him some bread and provided him with a jug of water. And Elijah ate and drank. And then he slept some more. And the angel woke him again, and he had some some more to eat in order to go on this journey that God was taking him toward Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. That's where God displayed his presence to his people with with earthquakes and smoke and thunder. It was there that he provided his law to his people. So Elijah entered a cave in that mountain, in Mount Horeb, and the angel spoke to him, asking him why he was there. Or sorry, Elijah spoke to the angel asking why he was there. And and Elijah now lays out the reasons why he wants to die at this point. Before he just said, kill me. Now now he lays it out before God. He's like, "I, I feel defeated. I feel all alone. And I'm just tired. And that's why I want you to take my life. It's almost like God's playing a little like psychiatrist thing here. Right? It's like, okay, let's explore this like feeling that you have, that you want to die right now. 
God then reveals himself not in a powerful wind or, or an earthquake or a fire, not like he did to his people when he gave them the law, but now he speaks as a whisper. And that's how God often likes to speak when we're in the desert, not in a burning bush, but while reading the Bible. Not in parting the sea, but during quiet prayer. Not in lightning and thunder, but in coming to church. Elijah finds out that he's not alone. There are 7,000 of his countrymen who have remained faithful to the Lord their God. Isn't it interesting that the Lord does not tell this to Elijah right away in his massive, depressive state. Instead, he, he feeds him. And he, he lets him sleep some more. And then he feeds him again before moving him on to a significant spot and reminding him that he is still working and that he is not alone. You see, sometimes when we're in the desert, we begin to ignore our physical needs like healthy eating, hydration, getting enough sleep. Things like these, have you noticed with Elijah, they weren't ignored by God. Because they're important in helping us get through, getting through the desert and embracing the promises of God and moving forward. Right, so if, if, if you're not feeling well and someone's cooking you a meal, that, that's, a, that's a spiritual service right there to that person. So if you're a good cook, go for it. Reminding someone to, to get some rest, that's not just like, that, that's not small talk. That's important if that person's going through a desert. Now, now let's look at this verse finally, verse 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. The psalmist wants to be guided by the Lord. That's because the desert brings us to the reality of our helplessness. We can't do it alone. Look how he personalizes light and truth. As, as he asks them to lead him, because he knows that they will lead him to God's holy hill, God's dwelling. The Lord wants us to ask him to lead us to, to build that dependence on him, to build that relationship with him. It's in the deserts of life that we get to know God best and build a stronger hope on him. And that's because the desert strips away all other hopes that we might have had. Hopes that have snuck into our life that we put above the Lord. You know what we call those things, right? Idols. Idols. The desert strips us of our idols. In the desert, we can see clearly where our only help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven 
and earth. Next, you need to remember your God. The fourth verse. It's as if the psalmist is now envisioning what will happen when God acts. Verse 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. So the altar is where sacrifices were made and sins were forgiven. The altar was only a shadow of the ultimate once-for-all sacrifice made by Jesus on the cross. That's where we go. We don't go to the altar. We go to the cross. We remember our God by going to the cross because it was there that we see God's steadfast love poured out for us. It's only the God of the Christian religion who has scars for all eternity, which shows his everlasting love for those who come to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Look how he he then remembers God, how God is his his exceeding joy. This is is in contrast to his mourning and despondency or, or depression. I will praise you, he says, He's he's taking the promises of God's steadfast love to the bank. If you love me like that, I will praise you. And look how he ends this verse. Oh God, my God. He has a relationship with God. He remembers it. Even though he can't feel it in the desert, he still clings to it. So he's not ignoring the present desert but has an eye on the future because God's presence of exceeding joy is the promise to all who have their hope in Christ. Now, we don't end here because the psalmist doesn't end here. But this is where we often end. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm in, I'm in the desert, and, and, and I'm not ignoring it. And I, just, I got my eye on the future, and let me just try to, try to plow through this. And we need this last point. You have to talk to yourself. Verse 5. We are bombarded with many negative and accusing voices. Our own soul even gets in on the action. And those who are especially prone to despondency or depression have an extra loud soul that represses and crushes us. This psalm teaches us how to start talking to ourself, our soul, instead of getting flooded by the negative voices all around us and in our own head. Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise you, my salvation and my God. Notice what this is not. It's not a pep talk to wipe away the tears and try harder. It's not counting the good things in life to see if they outweigh the bad so that we can see if we're ahead on the scoreboard of life. 
it's not remembering that, that some people have it worse than us, so we should just stop our complaining. It's remembering who God is, my salvation and my God, which springs up hope eternal in the most barren of deserts. Outwardly, nothing has changed, and that's okay because inwardly the battle is being won. The 20th century preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, spoke on this subject of talking to yourself. He said, most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. When our, when our inner voice is repressing and condemning us, we need to sit down with our soul and say, listen up, soul. It's my turn to talk. Soul, why have you sunk down? Why are you so loudly murmuring and growling and roaring at me? Stop your noise and listen up. Hope in God, soul. Right now things are bad, but I will praise him because he is my salvation and my God. You know why we can say that to ourself and believe it? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. God definitively answered the psalmist's prayer to send out his light and truth that would bring us into his dwelling through Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, the light of the world, and full of truth and grace. He went through every desert we will ever encounter, yet without ever sinning. And he offered his perfect life on the altar to God for our sins, because we can't come into his holy presence as sinners. It is because of Jesus and his sacrifice for us that we can confidently say, we will be delivered into God's presence and we will praise him again and forever. Our salvation and our God. Let us pray. Father, I can't help but to think that as we've looked through many of the Psalms this summer, that there's a certain pattern of repetition. And perhaps, perhaps we sort of got a little tired of it. But, oh Lord, help us not to get tired of the patterns that you put forth for us for prayer, for song, for hope. For they are what lead us and guide us. Your word is, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so, Father, help us to, help us even though we're, we're leaving the Psalms in our preaching series, help us to continue to take them with us through life. Because there's some deserts that we're going to go through. 
And some of us might be going through them right now. And so, Father, would you help us to take these, these five verses and remember what we need to do. And remember our unshakable hope. In Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.